I would say one thing I could have been better about was like preparing for the, the other stuff outside of the job. So, um, getting clothes, um, figuring out like if you're working from home, your work from home setup, um, your house, if, if you're going to move to somewhere different, um, like start thinking about that. Uh, so it, it can be overwhelming. There's a lot of stuff to think about, um, but it, it's better to be more prepared. And, and then where I was kind of scrambling a little more, uh, but it, it all worked out either way. It'll work out, but it just relieves some stress if you get that head start. Yeah. No, I think that that's a really good thing to highlight for people, which is I think that the major thing that people focus on is how am I going to get paid once I'm out of the military, which fair. I think that uh, understanding where your next job is going to be is very important, especially if uh, you have a family and people to care for or whatever. Um, but transitioning out of the military is way more, it's much more holistic than um, just that specific aspect. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Post-Military Podcast. If you're new here, welcome and thanks for stopping by. This podcast is designed to help individuals transition from one major chapter of their life to another. Currently, we're focusing on transitioning out of the military and into the civilian world. My guest today is Max Doak. Max was a cyber warfare officer in the Air Force and now works for Deloitte, a major consulting firm. In this episode, we discuss his time in the Air Force, his preparation for his transition out of the Air Force, and advice that he would give to those who are about to follow in his footsteps. As always, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Solemnly swear. To solemnly swear. That I will support and defend. That I will support and defend. The Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Post-Military Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Billy, and today we are joined by Max Doak. Max, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, Billy. Of course. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, We talked about this before, but uh, just remarked on the coolness of your background, uh, just for everyone, uh, everyone watching. And if you're not watching, Max has a bar and a pool table in his house. So, uh, it's decor we should all aspire to have someday. <laughs> but Max, let's uh, dive into your military career. Yeah, thanks, Billy. And and thanks for the compliments. I just moved in this weekend and and still unpacking a little, so it may look a little messy. But uh, but great. yeah, very, very excited to be a homeowner now. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure, for military experience. So I, I joined the Air Force right out of the high school. I uh, knew I wanted to do something with computers, but uh, didn't have a lot of money, didn't really uh, know what I was doing. So joined straight in the Air Force, got a job as a cyber transport guy, uh, doing some routers and switches configuration. And after going through tech school in, a, in, our, in our favorite town of Biloxi, Mississippi, uh, got, got over to Tinker Air Force Base, which you're at too, right? <laughs> um, so I uh, was in the computer flights for uh, computer flight for the AWACS and uh, AWACS is a very old plane and wasn't too jazzed about the work and wish I was working on some new computer type stuff. So, and I knew I was going to be there for a while and I kind of wanted to see other options out in the Air Force. So um, looked at the Air Force Academy, got one of those general emails from the first shirt saying, 
Okay, there's a lead program, a uh, good program if uh, you're not married, if you're under 23, whatever. So uh, I fit those low bars and then <laughs> had decent grades to where I decided to apply and then got in and got to the prep school and then to the academy with you. And, uh, and yeah, and then once there, thought about doing the flying stuff, like thought that was really cool. Uh, took the powered flight summer class threw up on all my flights and knew that wasn't for me then. <laughs> uh, so then went back to my first love of computers and, and when become a cyber officer and, and then, yeah, went to UCT with you. Um, enjoyed that, had a good time. Um, and then I, well, I was at the Academy. I really liked the astro engineering. Wasn't the best at it, but I thought it was very interesting. So space was a huge interest of mine. And my number one choice was Patrick Air Force Base which also has the beaches and you're right by the water. And for um, anyone listening, uh, Patrick air force base is right next to Cape Canaveral where they launch all of our, uh, satellites. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's nice. It's a nice place to be. Yes. 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 Awesome mission. Awesome place to live. So was very fortunate to be there. And then, uh, deployed for a little bit. It was that tough deployment we had in South Carolina, uh, where, uh, we we're working out the NOSC, which was fun and learned a ton. Like that was really cool. And then when I got back, uh, to Patrick, it went through a CCRI, uh, a cyber inspection basically. Um, and that's where I really got an interest in cybersecurity. I thought it was really cool. And I, I really nerded out on the following the checklist of, checking all these things to be secure. And I, and I thought that was really cool. So I um, wanted to follow like uh, my passion with that. And then at that point, like right after that inspection was kind of where I was like 50-50 about staying on, uh, staying in the Air Force. Like, like I knew there's a lot of good options, uh, but I also was kind of interested in something else. And um and then, yeah, so I, I got to my next base, which was Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Uh, I was very interested in NASIC, the National Air and Space Intelligence Center, because I thought uh, going through like our tech school, hearing about the mission side that they do and providing all that intelligence uh, just sounded really cool. And and I wanted to see some of that like top secret stuff more to, to see like what all is being done over in the in the cyber field or whatever, but um, it was really interesting. And so I got there, um, did my two years there and then separated. Uh, but while I was there, uh, I, I decided that I wanted to, to get out and make that transition to the other side. Uh, nothing gets the Air Force. Like I, I enjoyed my time. Like they paid for my bachelor's, they paid for my master's, got to live in Florida and um, got, got a good paycheck, got good benefits and all that and, and great people too. It definitely coming from a, a smaller Indiana town than going to experience all these different cultures and and meeting all these different types of people from all over was was very rewarding and very cool. Um, and then uh, so definitely enjoyed that. Uh, for me, I just wanted to do something a little more different where I could see the, the cutting edge technology where I was working with like my first love was computers and, and wanted to be uh, dealing with that advanced technology, which the Air Force has some of, but not a lot. 
And I knew that the private industry was way ahead and was very interested in that. Yeah, to give to give a little bit more context for people listening, because I ended up working at the same unit you did at Tinker, the AWACS, which is a giant passenger plane with a Frisbee on top of it, um, it... <laughs> It runs the old models back when you were back when you and I were there. They run a mainframe, which is a really old computer that runs off of a programming language that no one else uses anymore. It is an IBM IBM mainframe language, and I cannot remember the name of it to save my life, but it is like the only place that I think that it's used still. And so you show, if you show up as an airman, you have to literally learn this programming language. And it's basically like, you have to learn how to speak Latin and with the full knowledge that you'll never speak Latin again a day in your life. And so, uh, I definitely understand the, (laughs) the need to, or the desire to go, uh, dabble in advanced tech. I mean, I work at, I work at a cloud provider now, so I'm, I'm very much so, uh, I very much so get that for sure. (laughs) So when you, when you decided that you wanted to move on, which I completely understand it's a, um, sometimes there's just things that you want to do that the air force can't provide for you. And also once the air force, the military is unique in the sense that you get kind of set on a track. And if you don't like, the track that you're on, it's almost impossible to achieve the escape velocity necessary to move into another track. And so I, I understand wanting to leave that. And once you knew that you were going to make that jump, how long did you have before your separation date? Sure. Sure. So I think I made that decision about two years out, like two years to a year and a half. And then that's kind of where I was. Uh, and I was kind of lucky on the timing because it was right when COVID hit. And and so uh, I kind of reaped the benefits of that where um, we were trying to burn money because uh, we couldn't do any of our travel anymore. So um, we got lucky where uh, we put in a bunch of requests for SISP training and um, and so, and that was something I was very interested in. And, and so that really helped like build my resume where I was able to get that certification. And then I also knew I wanted to like finish my master's as well. So I, I finished that like right when I got to Ohio as well. So um, to prepare, I wanted to get like a strong resume where, uh, well, the Air Force experience like helped with that. But then I wanted to strengthen my like education uh and like in the cyber field it's they love the certs or the like experience with that so um when i was like about a year out i had mentioned it to my commander and what i wanted to do and then then and then she wanted to find out uh like where i wanted to go well at first she wanted to make sure that i was for sure about it and um, definitely like talk about all the benefits of the air force and and like, and like he had said, like, uh, it's, it's definitely great for whatever you want for your life. Like I, I recommend people like don't get out of the air force if, if you don't, uh, have to, or you don't want to, like there's people who have a lot of great careers and, and are super happy and great family environment. 
So I, yeah, I definitely have enjoyed, enjoyed my time there too. And then, and then she said, what do you want to do? And I had told her about the cybersecurity side where I wanted to do uh, like audits, inspections, that kind of stuff. So then she um, matched me up with our communications group there. And then, uh, and then they were able to find a spot for me where I was kind of a project manager uh, for a effort. Um, so that was good to help set that side up. And then I had heard about the SkillBridge program, which did you do that at all or? No, I, I was aware of it, um, but it's not something that I, I ever, I did a good enough job kind of networking that I just applied and went straight into um, my current role before I like didn't know SkillBridge necessary. Maybe it would have been cool. Like I definitely saw the value in it, but I ended up just doing networking and evaluating my options right up until my terminal leave and then pick, took a job off, took a job offer and started basically right on my terminal. And uh, nice. that's, that's what I ended up doing. Oh, that's awesome. And that's, yeah. that's awesome. That worked out real well like that. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, <laughs> I was very lucky that I was able to uh, do that. So, yeah. Did you do SkillBridge? I'm assuming with Deloitte? Yeah. Yeah, I did. And so I, I don't know, I'm, I'm probably a little more anxious about planning stuff way out. So like a year out, I got, got my resume ready and I was trying to find a skill bridge. So I just started applying to a bunch of random places and, and yeah, and I got a couple of interviews and then when they said, when can you start? And it was like eight months technically, but I could do an internship earlier and they're like, oh, we don't really need that. I literally, I literally applied for a role as a, wasn't a practice manager. It was at a smaller cybersecurity consulting firm. And I applied nine and a half months early, which I was like, I'll have it locked in. It'll be great. I'll already know exactly what I need and I'll know exactly what I'm going to do. And then that's when I found out that, uh, by the way, that's not how things work out here, but, uh, I definitely can resonate with the idea of, oh my gosh, I need to have something locked in a year out. And if you've never been in the military, you'll go, people don't do that. That's not how people hire, but uh, that's not something that if you've never transitioned out of the military and you've only ever worked in the military, it's one of those things where like, this is what it is. And so uh, I definitely... That story resonates with me 100%. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, and that's a good point because we get our jobs or assignment like six months before. Exactly. Leaving, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, you're just, not, you're just not ready for it. So how did you, so when you were prepping for your transition, you very much so were planning. I think it's awesome that you started two years out because I think that most people don't. And then just be, and they, and a lot of stuff sneaks up on them, which if you're out there listening, prep as early as humanly possible. That's one of the biggest pieces of advice that I, I would give you. And it's the advice that I give most people who are thinking about transitioning. And I, so we started planning early. You started diving into the certifications aspects of it because you knew you want to do cyber. Um, but what, uh, what else did you do to kind of evaluate your options? Like, how did you 
get how did you decide to go to Deloitte? Was it just one of those things where you just randomly applied to like a consulting, like you applied to a lot of consulting firms and they just were the ones that came back to you and said like skill bridges, skill bridging were down or how did you get to that point? Yeah, yeah, no. So you, you set that up really nicely and I know you didn't intend to, uh, but there's a <laughs> there's an awesome program that I found out about in TAPS, uh, which TAPS too, like like for your listeners that, you don't, if you go to TAPS, you don't have to get out. Like I've got a friend who went twice and he's still in. And it's just to kind of like see, uh, like if, well, it serves two purposes of like helping you when you get out and then like letting you know this is what you need to do on the outside. Uh, but anyways, they talk about hiring our heroes in that program, which is a department of labor program. And it's pretty cool. It's like a three month program where uh, you'll apply to it and it'll be where you want to end up working. So uh, I was in Ohio and I wanted to work in Ohio, uh, but there's, they're all over. They've got a bunch of program managers throughout. My program manager had like Indiana, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Ohio. And so, and she was out of Fort Campbell. Uh, but when you, you apply for the program just through their website and they match you up with the program manager and then the manager like reviews your resume, then they'll interview you and then they'll either accept you or not for the program. And if they accept you for the program, they have three different uh, cohorts they're called, like a, a winter cohort, a summer, and then a, a spring or fall one. And, and with these cohorts, they're three months. Uh, you've got like a local team. I think we had about 50 people, 30 people in our area. And then there's like two, 200 plus uh, across the nation. So, and, and it keeps on growing, it sounds like. But they take your resume. Uh, the first week, you listen to a bunch of people who participate in the program. So like, so like Booz Allen's involved, Bloomberg, um, Google, um, KBR. Um, they got a couple health companies. And, and it's, there's a lot of people involved in it or a lot of companies involved in it. And so they do their presentation. What really stuck out to me was uh, they said Deloitte was the number one cybersecurity consulting firm out of the big four consulting firms. So that I thought that was awesome. Like I want to go to the best and, and um, they do consulting, which I mean, you can do so much there. Uh, yeah. Very you, diverse. Could you real fast break down um, to people who are, I didn't know this when I was getting out of the military. What are the big four consulting firms? Can you like kind of talk what that, like, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I didn't know either until I joined yeah. Deloitte. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's like four, they call them the big four consulting firms. And it's, uh, it's, and it's debatable on what, what you look at is the best. And uh, uh, so there's Deloitte, there's PwC, there's, um, guess I, I knew I was going to forget them on the spot. <laughs> EY. EY, yeah, Ernest and Young. KPMG. And KPMG, there you go. You Thank failed you. the test. <laughs> Backing me up. <laughs> I do bad under pressure. <laughs> it's all good. Me too. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, so, so thank you for that. Those, those are the big four consulting companies. And, and so with the hiring our heroes, you, you listen to all these presentations from global people, and then as well as companies within your area. So 
So there was a couple smaller companies in Ohio that had kind of pitched their, their company. And then they give a, like a matching phase where you send, they send your resume to either everybody involved in the program and your local ones, or the, or the like companies will reach out to you and ask if you're interested in an internship. And then you set up interviews with them. So I had about seven or eight interviews and I definitely recommend taking them because interviewing is awkward and hard. So it's uh, great practice for sure. Yeah. So I set up the ones that I was more interested in towards the back just to get that experience. And, and yeah, and then uh, my top three were Deloitte, Google and KBR. Uh, all three are, all three are great companies and um, was hard to narrow it down. Um, but what stuck out for me for Deloitte was it was close to hundred percent remote, which, which is awesome. I, I like working from home. Uh, an opportunity to work a lot of different programs and a lot of offices throughout if I wanted to move somewhere or go to a different office, um, which it doesn't matter too much because remote, you can work anywhere, but it is nice to have that option. And then also that they do like government support and commercial side support. So I thought both of those industries were very interesting. And, and yeah, so I went with Deloitte, did a three months there and during my internship and they flew us out to Colorado to, to shadow a project. And they also um, covered our training for cloud training, which was, I thought was awesome. We, we weren't even employed by them and they were already paying for us to, uh, to get that. Get for Deloitte, was it kind of a, was it kind of like a, a given that you were going to just go straight from internship to job or was there a interview like did you have to do some kind of like second level interview because um, like at Amazon where I where I work now there's a hiring our heroes program but you do technically have to interview a second time um, you do pretty well because you literally interview with the people that you worked with but um, I was just curious how that worked with Deloitte yeah yeah good question and they did have offers about 10 weeks in and then for like higher positions like managers you had to go through a second interview with a with a principal or a partner and so i i went through a second interview and um and yeah it was good what um okay for the for the interviews themselves, how did you prepare for them when you were going through like that initial hiring our heroes aspect? And then for that second round, what did you do to prep? Just because that's not something that you ever really had to do before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the I think the tabs was the first time where I kind of like uh, had to like wrap my head around interviewing and they gave some pointers. I think uh, I, I practiced with a friend and they were not cyber. So it, they had to, uh, they said, you're going to, you're going to be talking to an HR person. So you got to be able to translate and, uh, and not someone who's not military, not um, cyber. So um, that, that was good practice too. And then I just, I looked at a bunch of just practice questions online. Like what, what do you ask? And I tried to think of a couple stories, like I think there was five examples that I had in the Air Force that I could tie them to 
a bunch of different scenarios of like name name a time you dealt with a challenging person that you had a supervisor name your like biggest accomplishment and then so i could piece those examples to a lot of the questions and i didn't have any crazy questions did you have any like interesting amazon questions yeah like Google? so um Amazon's Amazon's unique in the fact that we interview almost exclusively off of our leadership principles, which I think is a really good way to do it. And so my preparation really involved going up, looking up our leadership principles, which they're public knowledge, and then matching stories, just like you did, but specifically to like leadership principles. And in the interviews, they don't go tell me about a time that you showed customer obsession. It's going to be a question related to that. But if you're smart, you can go, that's customer obsession. And then you just pull the question out of uh, like, I know what my scenario is. And the only thing that I would add to what you said is you really have to, it's recommended for uh, people that you go star format. So situation, task, uh, action and then result. So like, what was the situation? What did someone tell you to do? What did you do in response? And what was the, what was the result? And so I literally had a spreadsheet where it was like leadership principle, one situation, task, action, result. And so I had that all, I had that all prepped, but something that I think that you brought up that's really important is you really have to going military to civilian no one knows what is happening in the military. Like you start learning real quick that we're like an infinitesimal percentage of the American population. And once you factor in global population, if you're interviewing with a global company, so you might be talking to someone who doesn't even live in America. Um, all of your experiences are going to be ra are rather, what's the word? Um, boutique, like no one gets it. And so you have to learn how to translate that. And then in cyber, it just adds another like, man, people don't know how computers work most of the time. So you have to like, for anyone listening to this, um, and you're in a, if you're in the military, translating your experience is already going to be difficult. And if you're in a career field, that's either a very niche to the military. So like if you're an infantry officer, if you are um, involved in any real kind of combat arms or something that you really can only do in the, um, in the, what's the word I'm thinking of context of warfare, you're going to have to do a lot of like practice to translate that from military talk to civilian talks so that someone can understand. Um, and so, yeah, like just understanding that and understanding either that military context or that combat arms context, or if you're just in a highly technical field, breaking that down for someone who might not be as technically excellent as you is a skill that really needs flexing. And we already do it when we write our OPRs and our EPRs, we just don't, which is our performance reports, but people don't really think about that. So it's a, it's great advice. And I think something really important to keep in mind. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And thanks for breaking that down. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> so you prepped for your interviews, you did hire no heroes, you interviewed again as a manager, 
Um, and I'm assuming they hired you as a manager at Deloitte. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what, um, before we kind of talk about what you did at, uh, did at Deloitte, um, I would, I would love to get your take on for people who are preparing to transition. Um, what would you say are the things that you felt like you did really well, like them from a mechanics perspective, like what did you do well and what did you do really bad in your transition? Like what kind of answer that however you want, but, um, yeah. What do you, what would you recommend people do to fall in your footsteps? And what would you say, like, do not do this? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's good. I, it made me think of, I think when you were talking earlier about you did a really good job networking, uh, that that's something that I, so I like to kind of, I'm pretty introverted, but I do like to talk to people one-on-one -on -one and, and getting to know their story and, and hearing from them. And, um, it's funny with my second interview, uh, because I'd never heard of Deloitte until I was at Patrick and we had a contract with them and, uh, inside the comm squad, uh, the communication squadron. So I, I went and I would like just talk with the guys and kind of hear what they're doing. And I thought, well, this is pretty cool, uh, what they're doing, what they're using. And so I, would just like talk with those guys. And I just thought it was a person's last name, Deloitte. I, I didn't realize it was a company. <laughs> I thought it was some sort of small business and then, uh, and then looked into it later, but, uh, just like talking with him, uh, was really cool. And then, um, and then in my interview, I like had brought that up to where I first heard about them. And then, uh, on my second interview, um, I found out later when I caught up with that guy, cause I was like, Hey, I'm going to be like working for the same company. He's like, he's like, Oh yeah. I've wondered about you because, uh, I had like one of the partners reach out to me and, uh, and he said that he was interviewing me and, and like asked about him for like a reference. And he's like, yeah, and I thought I gave you a good reference. And I was like, Oh, well, I never would have thought that would have happened. So you never know who's, who knows who, and who's going to like, who's going to come back up in your life. And that was back in 2018. And yeah, my interview was 2021. So always good to like keep those relationships and talk to people. And that, that was something I tried to, I heard LinkedIn, you have to be strong about. And so I tried to, I connect with people and, and talk with people and, and try to hear like, like you're doing this podcast, which is awesome. And I am like the same where I, I had a lot of people I reached out to and I wanted to help. So, um, or I want, I asked for help and advice. And so I, and I want to do the same. And I've had a couple of people reach out and, and, and I do, I love taking the time to talk and, and share advice and, uh, what I did. Um, and so, yeah, never, never be afraid to reach out to someone and, and ask for some time to talk. Yeah. The, the thing that I'll add on to that and like what, like plus one to everything that you just said. And for everyone who's listening, if you've never gotten on LinkedIn or if you think random people aren't going to talk to me, the never underestimate what folks who are out of the military will do for individuals that are transitioning out of the military. The, I don't think I've ever encountered a more helpful community than veterans 
who have been where you are right now in your transition journey and are like, I, I talked to a lot of people when I was getting out and every single one of them was like, yeah, what do you need? Like, I will, uh, do you need recommendations? Do you need new more people to talk to? Like, what's, what can I do to be helpful? And so, um, just understand that by like, you're part of a group of people who, um, are all come from a same common point and you can really lean on that commonality to, uh, get good information and connections that you need. So I, I completely, I completely agree with that, Max, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I think where I kind of started from was the like resume. I, I mean, you can Google resumes and it's a pretty overwhelming, all that's out there. Uh, and then, uh, like one of our mutual friends, Eric had gotten out before me. And so I had just asked him for like to see his resume. And, and then I was thinking, oh, I can use a lot of this and this, this helps me out and, and talk to him about it. Uh, so like you said, lean on, lean on those people out there. Like it could be someone you barely work with or someone who has similar interest to you on LinkedIn. Uh, they're all out there. Yeah, it is. It's the resources are honestly the, the paradox of choice really sets in because there's so many options. So don't let that paralyze you. Um, and just kind of get out there and start sifting through all the information and really leaning on people will be really helpful for that. Um, do you think that there's anything that you could have done better in your transition? Like that you wish you would have, um, like something that you wish you could have improved on? Sure. Yeah, I think, uh, so the first thing that I think of, uh, which doesn't really line up with the transition, but um, was the like extra stuff outside of the job. So like the the VA um, going through that process a little earlier, because I, I had waited to like schedule a lot of appointments later and then I had to like file my claim um, which I used AMVETS which was a great organization to help me with my paperwork um, but I had to I couldn't do the early filing that you can do like 90 days out or something something like that I'm honestly not sure I uh, <laughs> I went through a different medical process so yeah uh, oh yeah that's right yeah yeah but uh that's cool um what is AMVETS before you yeah, continue uh, I forget what it stands for. I, I'm guessing it's American Vets, but they have a bunch of these programs that they're not for profits. They're free service. They can help you with filing your VA disability claim, and they'll you can send them your records. They review them, and then they make some recommendations of disabilities that you, you should file for, like your entitlements for, for service. So it's, it's a great program and, and help, help out when you don't, I don't know anything about legal paperwork. So it was very helpful. Yeah. My, my, my piece of advice that I would add to that for people who are preparing for their transition is get your medical records early. And if you're using a nonprofit like AMVETS, get them that paperwork really early 
because if you're missing things that are in your medical records that you know have happened to you, you need to get seen and get that on your medical records so that you can then submit that to the VA. And uh, everyone in the military is big and tough. Like we don't like telling people that we're sick or busted, um, especially if you're in a career field that if you admit that, then they're going to take you off flight status, or you're not going to be able to go downrange with your buddies or whatever it is. Um, just understand that as you transition from military you to just individual you, um, you only do that once and getting your VA rating edited post-transition is much more difficult than doing it this first time. So really give yourself the time and uh, be intentional about, about that whole process for sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, um, so after you did the, so after you talked to AMBETS and you gave them all of your paperwork, then you just, what, uh, what happened next? Yeah. Yeah. So they, they talked to you kind of said, like, is there anything that I should look for? Or like, what are things that you're thinking about? And so I, I gave them like a list of like big, big things that I had thought of. And then they find a couple other ones and then they just set up a meeting with you and and you go into their office and they just review all the paperwork and talk through it and then they, you just sign it. Uh, so it, it probably would have taken me <laughs> many hours to put that together, like taxes that I should be doing soon, but <laughs> uh, they help make that a little easier on you. And it, and it's free, like, like you mentioned too. So that's really nice. For sure. So um, any other, any other, before we kind of move on to Deloitte, and just yeah. post military you, what, uh, is there anything else that you'd recommend to people that they should really do or focus on, um, in terms of like the mechanics of their transition, like things that they, um, should be doing or should not be doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say one thing I could have been better about was like preparing for the, the other stuff outside of the job. So, um, getting clothes, um, figuring out like if you're working from home, your work from home setup, um, your house, if, if you're going to move to somewhere different, um, like start thinking about that. Uh, so it, it can be overwhelming. There's a lot of stuff to think about, um, but it, it's better to be more prepared. And, and then where I was kind of scrambling a little more, uh, but it, it all worked out either way. It'll work out, but it just relieves some stress if you get that head start. Yeah. No, I think that that's a really good thing to highlight for people, which is I think that the major thing that people focus on is how am I going to get paid once I'm out of the military, which fair. I think that uh, understanding where your next job is going to be is very important, especially if uh, you have a family and people to care for or whatever. Um, but transition out of the military is way more, it's much more holistic than, um, just that specific aspect. So I think that's a great, that's a great thing to, uh, that's a great thing to highlight for all, everyone out there. So you get out, you're in Deloitte now, you're a manager, you're a manager at Deloitte. Um, what was your initial feelings right after you transitioned out? Yeah. Uh, so it, it's 
interesting because I was going through that internship, which really helped out. It was very like smooth to where I was getting the Air Force paycheck and technically TDY. Uh, so that was kind of my like first uh, intro to like the private life. And I think <laughs> what was funny was since military were like so punctual and five minutes early or late, uh, was funny, like I would show up to a couple of meetings, like even like five minutes or two minutes early and no one would be there in these Zoom meetings. And then um, there was a, like a, like someone high up who would go in there early too. And he's like, oh, hey, like, like nobody's usually here. Um, so that was, that was funny, funny to see. So adjusting to that. And unfortunately I have adjusted to where I'm showing up more on time or one minute after, but still <laughs> close enough. Uh, uh, that, and then just kind of I'm trying to think of what else was a little difficult or interesting. Um, I think it was just like the virtual side where you didn't have like a supervisor. Yeah, and, and we don't have really like supervisors at Deloitte. We have like a, a coach who is kind of like your supervisor, but they, they more just help you out with your career and and help represent you for bonuses or promotion. Uh, but they do have um, your program manager, which is kind of like where where I'm sitting, where I'm on a project and there's um, a couple consultants and senior consultants that I have responsibility for and provide that guidance. So um, yeah, what's it like? How was how was it or and how is it for you? Well, first, how many years were you in the military before you got out? Yeah, so years that count were like eight years, and then with the academy and and those in between as twelve. So I I went to high school in two thousand nine, and then wore the uniform that whole time until twenty twenty two. Yeah. What was it like for you after 12 years of being ingrained in the military system, uh, going to an organization that where the leadership structure is significantly less defined and they're, I mean, I'm a consultant now as well. So I understand like the lines of command are very hazy in the best of times. And so what was it like adjusting for that specific aspect of like, military to now for you yeah yeah good good question it was interesting and i definitely leaned on with that internship i had with people who started a little earlier than me i definitely like leaned on them for questions and and i think that's what really helped me was just kind of um being able to send a team's message or a skype message to someone through there or like people on the project where I could lean on certain people and ask questions and be like, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of new, uh, still learning like this. Is this normal or is this not? Uh, so yeah, don't be afraid to ask questions. And I'd rather find out early instead of a couple months later when like, well, why didn't you figure that out earlier? Oh, I completely understand. And yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely better to ask all of your questions early and learn learn as much as you can, learn as much as you can up front. Did, have you found that managing pro, what's it like for you managing projects now versus managing projects when you were in the military? Because as an officer in the military, 
you're running things and you're in charge of a significant amount of people and programs. And then you go to the civilian side where you're managing less people uh, for sure. And uh, you just don't have that implicit level of authority that comes from the military. So what was that like for you? Yeah, it, it was very interesting. And uh, when I started, I got on a project within like two weeks of starting and and uh, I was asked to help build the program. So I got like a list of these billets, um, these openings and saying like, here's, uh, we call it like the bench, like people who are looking for a project, like here's the bench, here's what we need, like go find people. So I had to go and like, look at their resumes, like interview people. And, and that was pretty different for me because with the other projects, you just like get people thrown at you like, hey, get these airmen, like get this stuff done. Like you don't get to pick your team. So that, that was pretty neat. And, and another like difference with Deloitte is just so massive and they have a, a bunch of money, a bunch of resources where I felt like when you're in the Air Force, you're resource constrained and you just have to do the best that you can do with what you have. Uh, which, I mean, at times you, you do with Deloitte as well, but they also have a lot, lot more resources and a lot more money. And you have that kind of standard that you have to get the customer bought something and they're paying a lot of money. So they want you to produce the best, best result. So, um, I felt like you could, you could do some stuff in the air force and the past be like, yeah, it doesn't care. Like, yeah, that, that'll work. Um, like on the private side, you, like you have to do a, um, you have to do like a polished job or you, you have to be very client friendly. Like he had said, not, not that I was client mean, but <laughs> you just gotta be able to sell it. Um, so that no, I, yeah, I completely get, I completely get that in the military. It's kind of like, well, someone needs to do it. And so then you're like, I guess I'll do it. And then there's really not an expectation that you're going to do it super well. Like you should do it well, but it's kind of like a, slap dash kind of job sometimes and uh once someone on the outside people are paying money and so you better like you better provide a service worthy of what they're paying which is uh definitely an interesting shift in uh mentalities when you got out of the military what was that after 12 years of service what was it like emotionally for you to separate kind of like you gave 12 years of your life to this, to this thing. And then all of a sudden it's like, congrats, you're just max, you're max the guy now. What, uh, what was that like for you? It, it was, it's pretty cool. And and I think with the military, you always have that uncertainty of I could get deployed. I could get sent to another base. It was really cool to know that uh, I can choose what to do. Like if I want to live here in Ohio, if I want to live somewhere else, like, like I can do that and being able to say no to of, um, when I interviewed with a couple of companies and they wanted me to join, it felt like I felt bad to say, like I chose a different company. Uh, but then I thought too, of like, well, I, I don't, I'm not like owed to them. Like I'm tied to the air force. So it was cool to have that, that kind of like relief that you're not tied to something that that you can choose and you're not um you like you were saying about being pigeonholed and in, in, into like a plane 
So that, that was kind of cool. And then, um, what else? And then I, I would say for, um, I had like a, something medical I had to take care of when I got out. And so it was kind of cool to like choose which, where you want to get that done. And then kind of like the same where they have to like have very high ratings for their, their selling their services to us. So like I had a really good experience on the outside and everybody was super friendly and got stuff really quick where I felt like the military were, you kind of have to wait a month to get something scheduled and a month to get something delivered to you. So uh, it was a different experience, um, but it was, yeah, it was nice. That's awesome. So you would say that the freedom of choice was the thing that you felt the most when you were like immediately after separating from the military. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I overthink things a lot too. So it was nice to not like think, well, Hey, I could be deployed. So maybe I shouldn't look at going on a trip in a couple months. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely nice. I, I think that there's a really interesting duality to what you're talking about in the sense that some people really hate the military because so much of your life is kind of out of your control. And I would say that there's other people though, that look at that as like, that's very freeing in the sense that I never actually have to make any decisions and all the decisions that are made for me, like they're not my fault. If they turn out great, then that's great. But if they turn out poorly, then it's like, well, I didn't make this decision. So it's not on, it's not on me. Um, I, and I think it's really interesting that you bring up like how, how awesome that freedom of choice is. Because for me, I think that freedom of choice was like the scariest part because I was like, it was really kind of tight to just be handed a decision. And then I just have to adjust to whatever was given to me versus when I got out. And then it's like, my wife is still in the military. And so like, for me, I really like the fact that I don't have to choose where I live yet. Because if someone said you're out now, you have to pick, I'd be like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know where I have to pick. So, um, that's, uh, that's been really, really, really nice for me. Um, but that's cool. That's cool to have somebody with that, basically the exact opposite, um, feeling, uh, post transition, which is, which is awesome. Um, how do you feel like you, your identity has changed since you've exited, since you've exited the military? I know it's only been like a year for you. Um, it's only been a year for me as well. So I, I, so we're, we're, we're in very similar boats, but how do you feel like your, how do you feel like your identity is like captain, captain Doak has changed to like now, now that you're just out, what does that look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's funny where I went to a, um, a promotion ceremony, I think. Yeah. A promotion ceremony uh, for a friend and like ran into some people and they're like, Oh yeah, you look like so much more like rested and like happy. Not that I was like being run dry, but <laughs> I, I think I was just uh, put like undue stress on myself uh, at the time. And so being able to, um, like have that control of my life and being able to do really what I was like passionate about to do. Um, I, I think that really uh, helped 
like me. And um, there was another thing I, was, I had thought of. Uh, oh, my job job satisfaction, I think, has been really high. Like we were like the client that we're working for is at a very high level in the DOD. And so being able to like work with those top top um, um, like top lawmakers or people who are have a lot of impact on things that can happen is is pretty neat. So I get a lot of like job satisfaction where if I was working 60 hours um, putting together some deliverables for the client and knowing that that's going to be very impactful is pretty rewarding and like seeing them happy where um, if I had to work 50 hours or 60 hours putting like some, I don't know, stuff together on the Air Force side that I didn't see like a purpose for, I would be a little more discouraged. So that that was cool. And, and I think another thing that really was awesome was uh, I, I felt like I was a high achiever. Like I got a CGO of the year for the wing uh, when I was at Patrick and, and I would get some of those like CGO awards, which was, was cool. And, and you get like a day pass or you get like a, like a trophy or something, which, which is awesome. Uh, and then for Deloitte, if you do something well, they can dominate you for cash awards or, uh, so it was neat to, uh, like work really hard. And I was working on an effort that was like kind of exhausting. And then, um, and then I got a notification about a senior manager giving me a cash award for it. And, and that was a lot of money. So I thought that this like was definitely worth it and just kind of uh, rejuvenated my efforts. So that was neat to see that, uh, which I still have the uh, awards and now I've got the space to display. And so I, I do like them and they're neat, but like money is also neat too. <laughs> for your next, so for your transition overall, would you say that, I mean, it really sounds like it's been an overall positive experience for you, which is, which is fantastic. Um, do you, have there been any real, have there been any like negatives that you didn't think would occur that you're like, man, like I, I was not expecting to um, feel that way. If not, that's awesome. And congratulations on your wonderful transition. Um, <laughs> I was just, uh, I'm, I'm very curious, like, cause there are things that have popped up for me that I was not expecting uh, for sure. And so I, I would love to know if the, if you've experienced anything like that yourself. Yeah, definitely. I, I would say the like transitioning, not having that kind of like family feel with the military of like everybody's in this together and, and you get like a sponsor, you get a, um, you get that like kind of like welcome and you get that like first sergeant who's looking out for you. So um, having that like close look community to going to um, the virtual world and, and working like where it's just yourself and your cat that jumps on, <laughs> jumps on your lap in a meeting. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's different where I, I can connect with people on Zoom, uh, but you don't have that like home base where my project is supporting like the client in DC and we have a home office here where um, I have been able to go like in the office and we have different 
work from office days and can connect. But that that kind of like, I wouldn't say like feeling alone, but you don't feel as like surrounded with people, uh, which is different. Yeah, the uh, the military, we'll go into that the military like has this built-in community for sure. Um, and But I remembered what I was going to ask you. Um, do you think that your do you think it's helpful that your client is still military facing? Like, do you think that it would be, do you think your job satisfaction would be different if you were working for like, I don't know, some random company that's just worried about like pushing profit? Yeah. Yeah. No, that was a very good question. And I've thought about that before too. Like it, it did help me easily transition because it was uh, like, like you're talking about that Latin analogy of, I kind of had an advantage of knowing a lot of the Air Force stuff where a lot of the people on my team had no military experience. So that that did help me one up that transition. And then I also kind of think too, like if I were to work for, or not work for, but if one of my clients were like on the commercial side, I think that would be kind of interesting to like see how that would translate. So yeah, I, I definitely cheated on that front, but <laughs> it is interesting. I don't know if it's cheating. I think that I think what's really highlighted to me for you is that you've done a very excellent job of aligning your values with the choices that you made in life, which is you you knew you wanted to get out of the military because you really valued that freedom of choice, which not everyone does, but you really did. So getting out for that reason is very, very valid. And then you knew what kind of work you wanted to do, which was still wanted to be a manager, um, but you really enjoy the work from home aspects, which I think is great. Um, and I don't know if you picked the project to work in the DOD space, but um, it sounds like you really understand like, hey, I want to still work on projects that have some kind of mission aspect to them. Like, and so that allowed you to continue to serve um, in some capacity, which I think is at the end of the day, like, I don't, I wouldn't call it cheating. I just think that you have well aligned values. And I think that it's important for people to hear that because if you can transition and have a good understanding of those values, then your satisfaction post transition, when it comes, when you have to kind of put that last chapter of your life to bed, it becomes a lot easier because on the days that you miss the military, like for you on days where you're like, man, my community's not as tight knit. You can then look at your aligned values and go, that might be true. However, I'm still getting to make the country a better place. I now have full control of my life. And like, there's all those positives that you can use to kind of buffer yourself against those couple of negative things you might feel every now and again, which I think is really, really good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's, that's very well said. Very art, articulated. Very well. You get at this. <laughs> it's like, a, yeah, it's like I, it's like I have a podcast or something like that. <laughs> so, right. um, what um, for you, um, the military? So, oh yeah, so that I remember now. So the military, <laughs> we talked about community, and I think that the military is a lot of built-in additional things that don't exist in any other traditional job. For example, you have that built-in community. 
Um, it's a lot more all consuming from a lifestyle perspective. Um, and then also just from your job, there is no job in the, there is no job that exists in corporate America that is going to say, Hey, we're hiring you to be, uh, for you, like an engagement manager. Um, but also you have to run all the PT tests for the, uh, Ohio office for Deloitte, or you have to do some additional, you have to run the snack bar for the office in Ohio for Deloitte. Um, did you have any, have you had any issues kind of like dealing with the fact that the military, when you leave the military, there's all those additional aspects outside of just like, I work for money. Um, like, have you had to grapple with any of that or, um, has that been a pretty relatively easy, um, thing for you to kind of adjust to? Sure. Sure. Uh, so I, I don't know if I'll answer that perfectly, but there is, um, I, I like how you put it of like, you have to do this stuff. Uh, we do have a bunch of different, uh, firm initiatives they're called where, uh, like you can do it for, to like bring money into the company, like, like writing proposals or, or doing like writing white papers or doing certain things that don't directly bring in money, but they like, can set the company up for that, which is cool. And then they also have these other efforts where they're kind of like uh, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. So we have a veterans group uh, locally and then like nationwide as well, where that's just like a community to help bring in, um, to help veterans who are here and then also like help recruit veterans and then as well as community relations. Um, so we did like REITs Across America, it's called, where uh, you donate money to this organization. And then for all the money they, all the money they get, they, they get REITs for uh, veterans or, uh, and for, um, I'm thinking of the holiday. I think it's REIT day. They'll go out and place the REITs at the, those different grave sites, which is pretty cool. Uh, so we got involved in that. And uh, I did a, uh, this I had a lot of fun with was, we had a, a local recruiting event that was sponsored by Hiring Our Heroes. And it was at Wright-Patterson. So I worked with our local office to get like a sign and business cards and get a little booth set up to where we could get our name out there in the community. And then for me, like talk to veterans about my experience and, and how I went through Heiner Heroes program. And, and so that was, that was pretty rewarding. And, and no one made me do that. It was something that like I was interested in. Um, like if I was passionate about the snack bar, like that's what I wanted to do. And, and then the like last example was we've got um, like a strong DEI effort and there's, um, you don't have to be members of these communities. Like you can just be allies. So there's like a like a woman's group. Uh, um, any kind of race has their own, not their own group, but their own um, um, their own program. And like anybody can be an ally to it. And they'll bring in uh, celebrities and, and like we had Common for Black History Month one year, which was really cool. Um, um, I, 
of course, I'm going to blank on the other ones that we've had, but we had a Peloton, uh, one of the ladies from the Peloton for Women's History Month, and that was cool too. Uh, so it's neat to to see like the money that Deloitte will put in for for its people and the community as well. Is is neat to need to be a that's part cool. of. No, that's awesome. Do you think you pursue all these additional things within Deloitte because they're you're obviously interested in them, but do you, have you explored, I guess the first question is, have you explored additional things that bring like additional purpose and fulfillment to your life outside of your job? Um, or have you really stayed within the boundaries of your, of the company? Yeah, no, that's good. That's good ask because I, I think the original like intentions of like doing those or to meet people and like you like you mentioned about the community that you don't have. So I like I thought that'd be a good way to network, but also like make friends as well, which is cool. Uh but no, I, I volunteered like right when I got out at like a animal shelter, like I'm a dog lover. So um I, I did have a cat. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> the dogs are uh, they'd be too rowdy, so they're not. Oh, I get sure it. Right now. <laughs> I have a dog, and she is very furry, and I she sheds all over my house, so I get it. Yeah, yeah, barking all the time. Yep. Surprised I haven't heard them. <laughs> She's outside. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't get to be in the house during recording sessions. Yes, yeah, smart. Yeah, mine are upstairs. <laughs> I love that. Um, so. Yeah. Okay. So you, so you joined a shelter. Sorry to derail, sorry to derail your wonderful explanation of uh, serving the animal community in Ohio. <laughs> yeah. No. And, and I, I did that a lot at first, but then once I got busy with work, um, I, I just kind of stuck into the work stuff and stuff I could do from home. <laughs> so that was yeah. kind of nice. No, I get that. Do you think that it's hard for veterans to pursue extracurriculars that bring them additional purpose outside of work because the military really was this like single source of everything for us. Like we, we kind of almost leave the military with this idea that everything has to come from a single place. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's interesting. Cause I, at least like the veterans in like my local area that are out, they all have like a lot of kids and, and so they're doing like their life revolves around their kids activities. So like people in our age group that have gotten out, um, I don't know, to be honest, like, um, they're just kind of like doing their things with their, their spouses or significant others. So I haven't really like thought about that or like gone down those those holes but but yeah how about how about you though have you done um, i'm still i mean part of the reason why i started this podcast is kind of an exploration of that um when i was in my when i started off in my job i realized i got into all these additional projects like i started like digging my putting my nose into things that weren't necessarily in my job description and not that they weren't interesting things, but I, I was like, why am I doing that? And I go, oh, for me, at least, I'm picking these things up because A, 
I had additional duties in the military. So it's just like within my nature to just grab additional, like, I just like take authority. Um, and that is, uh, that's just who I was as a person. Um, but also then once I realized that that's kind of who I was, I thought, okay, well, why am I doing it in my job? And then I thought, oh, because I've never been in a place in my life where I wasn't doing that. Like the military was the only thing, like if I wanted additional projects, I got additional projects in the military and like uh, CGOC, which if you're unfamiliar with CGOC, it's a company grade officer club. So basically like you, um, you basically run events for folks on the base that are in the same rank structure as you so that people your age can like hang out and get community. Like that's, that's cool, but it's also not related to my job, but it is related to the military or I became the, I ran a squadron bar. So I made sure that there was beer in the fridge and like every other Friday we would have like uh, an event where I would like do games and like stuff like that. And like, again, part of the military, not part of my job. But when I exited the military, I looked at everything as my job. Like the military was my job when in reality it wasn't like my job was IT cyber security instructor. And then I had all, then all these other things that came with it were part of the military, not part of my job. And so when I left in my head, I subconsciously thought like, oh, my next job has all of these aspects to it as well, which it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it's just like Amazon's paying me to be a cybersecurity consultant. They're not paying me to run a squadron bar or uh, do all these additional things. And it's not bad to find additional purpose within DINE initiative, DE&I, DINE, DE&I <laughs> initiatives, um, or doing all these additional volunteer things. I think that that's great. Um, I just, my working thesis, which I love talking to people like yourself on this podcast is in the military, it's hard for us to view or find additional things to bring purpose in our life outside of work because we automatically viewed all the things we did in the military as just part of our job outside of family, because like the family stuff happens, whether you're in the military or not. Um, but that's just, that's just my thoughts. And I would love to hear what you think now that you know what I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. That's, that's a really very cool insight. Cause I, yeah, I had never like thought of it like that, that, um, that well you phrased it a lot better but doing those things that you have to do and then you kind of like that kind of makes you who you are as as uh whatever you are officer enlisted and then being able to do that yourself on the outside um you kind of like gravitate towards that one source like you're saying and and uh just trying to like fit in or or do a good job where you can now do that in the community if you want to. And so I I am pretty, um, like one of the reasons I chose this location was there's a like a community center. Uh, so I'm, I, I thought that would be a great way to meet people locally, not just like people job wise. So um, that, that I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, but, but yeah, that, and that was a good, good thesis and good advice. So I definitely would like to do more of that too, not 
all Deloitte. <laughs> yeah. And I, and it's definitely like for anyone listening who really loves their job and who really does a lot of stuff for their job that what I just said, I do not want it to come across like I'm knocking people who find value in that at all. Um, I'm more interested in, is that what we veterans automatically default to because it's so it's such a natural thing for for us because of what I described. And I, I bring it up more so to tell people who kind of like myself, like if you don't find value in those additional things that you're picking up in your job, that's okay. And there is a way to have your job just be a job and find additional purpose and value outside of the work that you do. And there's a lot of ways to explore community building and giving back and finding that purpose out. And it doesn't have to be with the organization that pays you money. And uh, I just don't think that we have that conversation enough. Um, but if, if someone is out there and they're just absolutely loving all the additional stuff that they're doing with their job, I think that that's sick. And I'm very, very happy for you. And um, I'm, I, I wish you the best. And if that's what works for you, that's, 100% awesome. And you should keep doing that for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. It what, doesn't hurt um, to try stuff. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, I think that, I mean, I think that as everyone gets out of the military, it's like, you really do kind of have to be open to experimentation and just um, the cool part about having that freedom that you talked about loving so much is that you can get you get the chance to be, um, you get, if you don't like it, you can go do something else. Like that's, that's sick. Like that's a, that's a thing that we're, that you're not used to, um, moving on from that military chapter of your life, which is very much so more structured, um, which is cool, but also like not, not cool. Um, so, uh, Besides the community center that uh, that you're really interested in getting involved with, um, what other ways have you tried to, um, well, besides the community center and like the additional things that you've done in, uh, in Deloitte, what are ways that you've kind of maintained your support group um, and kind of your community, whether it's local or just like global, like how have you maintained your community to kind of build that support system for yourself? Yeah, yeah. So it's nice that um, being in Ohio, it's uh, where I'm at now is like two hours from my hometown, and then about an hour from family uh, in Cincinnati. So that that family support's been nice to be able to travel for for different things. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, maintaining kind of like friendships from like the other bases I had with uh, whether it's text messages or messenger and throwing sending random funny memes or pictures to each other is always fun uh, <laughs> uh, so we've kept that going and then meeting some new people at deloitte and hanging out with them and then also had like a fun a couple of fun neighbors too when i was at my other place um so so keeping those relationships have been have been good been fun uh, i definitely want to um actually a friend is at cyber 200 and we went to like watch a soccer game and 
he asked about, and I'm a big soccer fan, so um, I should probably put a soccer ball back there too. <laughs> yeah, you should. Wrong football, bro. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and he had talked about a like a like a supporters club that he would go to to watch games, and we had that community of fans there and that's fun because i i like to go to sporting events and and even if i'm not a fan of that team it's just fun to get out and have that atmosphere um, yeah that's kind of a roundabout awesome. way <laughs> no no it's great i think uh I, I think that that's really cool what you're doing to i think one of the things that gets people down the fastest is if you leave the military and then you have no you have no one um and it's finding friends is hard outside of the military because we're so used to you you move to a new base you show up to your unit and then they're like here's all these people that do the same thing that you do that are just looking to have a good time and you're like what's up brand new friends and uh, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah exactly and so that's uh that's a little bit more difficult to do once you're once you're out because like again if you, especially if you work in a distributed online environment like you or I do, you ain't hanging out with your work friends, like, cause they're in Florida or wherever. Uh, so for you, has it been weird going back to any of the military events? Like you said, you went back to um, like a promotion ceremony. Um, has, has any of that been like strange for you or has it been, uh, has it been good? Yeah, I, I think just because I had a lot of friends there that I hang out with, uh, it didn't feel too strange. It does it does feel strange like going back on the base though. Uh, like you feel like you're not you don't belong there, <laughs> like you're like you're sneaking on or something. But um, yeah, it's it's a little bit different here and there. Um, it's like uh, like sporting events when the um, national anthem goes off and you think of like being at attention or saluting and yeah, I got, you don't have to it's do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's not me. So, I just have to put my hand in my heart, like a, like a good American. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it gets a lot, like kind of goosebumps or like twinges, but, um, it, it passes pretty quickly. I feel like. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so I guess, we we kind of we kind of talked about this already, but um, I kind of highlighted that I think you did a really good job of kind of like aligning, understanding what value like why you wanted to get out of the military, and then aligning those values with a job that you wanted. Um, do you have any advice for people who are going to get out of the military um, in terms of not necessarily like what they should do to get out of the military, uh, like we already talked about, but for getting over that emotional hurdle of like separating yourself from the military, um, especially someone who was enlisted and then was an officer. So you've kind of really experienced everything that the military has to offer in terms of rank structure um, and identities. What would you recommend for someone to either think about or do to prepare for that kind of shift of identity from you who's in the military to you who is out of the military. Yeah, yeah. I think the first thing I think of is, uh, like you said, like find something you like. Um, just because I was a cyber guy, I didn't have to be a cyber employee. I, I've heard of plenty of people who do career changes 
and and they're, and they're happy. So um, like find what you want to do. And that might be taking a position with a lower pay. And, and I know for me, like they always say like cybersecurity, like you don't have to worry about a job, but I was worried about finding the job that I would like. So I, I was definitely uh, antsy about that and was very fortunate to have a bunch of options to choose from and where I'm, I'm pretty settled uh, now, but I have heard of people too that will find a job. It's not what they thought it was. And then they'll, they'll go and find another job and that and that's perfectly fine. So don't, don't feel like you have to, uh, that the decision you make is definitely important for your next job, but know too that like you're not stuck in there. You, you're not going to have to wait till your PCS. If, if you don't like it and you find something better, like it, it doesn't, you don't owe that company anything. So it's, it, it's okay to leave and okay to do something else. And, and, and that could be something totally different too with uh, like if you were cyber and then you want to be a realtor or I don't know, <laughs> a finance bro, there's, there's a lot out there. So um, you don't, you don't have to pigeonhole yourself into one track. No. And uh, the, a great way to kind of dig into whether or not you might want to make that career change is like we already said, network with people who are doing that job and uh, talk to them about it, see what they see, what they like, see what they don't like. And uh, that will be a wonderful benefit. Um, that's, that's something that you can glean through having quick conversations with folks and it will um, really, it will really inform your decision, which is, uh, which is really, really, really good. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. Max, thanks so much for, <laughs> thanks so much for taking the time, man. It's, uh, it's been a real pleasure to have you on. Um, thank you so much for all the insight. Uh, actually where in Ohio are you? I don't think I asked. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, I am just, my house is just, um, bad directions east of Dayton. So, uh, it's like a 20 minute drive to downtown for me. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, Wait, which uh, which which like suburb do you live in? Yeah, uh, Beaver Creek Township. Yeah, I was uh, I I went to high school at Xenia. So, oh, okay, Dang. Yeah. it's like yeah. right down yeah. the road. Yeah, dude, you live in the nice neighborhood. You live in the nice area though. Beaver Creek's bougie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't you tell? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, like it makes sense now. People in Beaver Creek definitely have pool tables in their house. Like, I get, yeah. I get, I get that. That's uh. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, uh, thanks again for being on. Uh, go eat some Skyline chili for me. Uh, yeah. Maybe get some Grater's ice cream while you're at it. But uh, it's uh, it's been great. And uh, for all of you out there listening, um, if uh, what Max has said has really resonated with you, um, if you're interested in Deloitte, hiring our heroes, or anything like that, feel free to reach out to him. His uh, LinkedIn will be in the description of the um youtube video so feel free to reach out to him to pick his brain further if that's something you're interested in thank you all for listening and uh, we'll catch you guys on the next uh, episode of the post-military podcast see you everybody peace